Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the program, uh, Nuggets fans. Uh, your team is the Western Conference champions. That you that actually happened. I woke up this morning. I checked again. It, it, it actually happened. I mean, most of the news nationally was still about the Lakers. But anyway, the, uh, the Denver Nuggets are indeed the Western Conference champs. After sweeping the Lakers last night, they were simply... Uh, the better team over the course of the series, Nikola Jokic after the game made a very interesting comment, I think pointed out that uh, in the final three games of the series, either team could have won them. But the fact that the Nuggets won all three, I think makes the statement that, that the Nuggets have basically stamped on the national media at this point, And they're still wrapping their heads trying to catch up. I think there were special moments, uh, not necessarily crisis moments, but moments in each of the first four games where the Lakers either developed a very big lead, double digits, were leading in the fourth quarter, or were trailing in the fourth quarter, but went on a major run to bring them closer. And I'll just give you a synopsis. Game one. Nuggets up 93-72, 5-13 left in the third quarter. Over the next 16 minutes, 27 seconds, the Lakers go on a 54-36 run to pull within three, 45 seconds left, 129-126 Denver, and LeBron James rims out a three-pointer that would have tied the game. Nuggets go on to win 132-126. Game number two, Lakers up 68-57 with six and a half minutes left in the third quarter. The Nuggets finish the game on a 51-35 burst. And they win game two, 108-103. Game number three, the Nuggets up 24-10 with 3-10 left in the first quarter. The Lakers, over the next 31 minutes, 42 seconds, outscore the Nuggets 84-69 to take a one-point lead with 7.27 left in the game. The Nuggets then proceed to score 13 straight points and win the game going away 119 to 108. Last night, the Lakers are up 15 at 75 to 60 with 1035 left in the third quarter. And over the last 22 and a half minutes and change, the Nuggets outscore the Lakers 53 to 36. In each of the four games, there were junctures when it looked like the Lakers were in a position to win. Yes. Any one of the four, this series is still going. If the Lakers take advantage of a run from behind or protect a rather substantial lead in the second half, they were unable to close out any one of those games. The two best players as a tandem in the fourth quarter during these NBA playoffs have been Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. But last night, in my opinion, with all due credit to Jokic, who had 30, 14, and 13. <laughs> Sounds comical. Murray, who had 25 with three rebounds, five assists, a couple of steals, and even a block shot and only two turnovers in 43 minutes. I thought the game last night turned when Aaron Gordon stood up to LeBron James. Now, let's examine the motivation for both. 
as he indicated after the game, and there's no other way to interpret the remarks of LeBron James other than get me a guy I can win with and dispense with Anthony Davis post-haste. There's only one way to read it. That's the way to read it. He's saying what I have around me in general, and Anthony Davis in particular, not good enough. Go out and get help or I will retire. I think it's an empty threat, but I think that's the message. In the confrontation with Gordon, something similar motivated LeBron James. We aren't playing hard. They are beating us up. We need to show that we can be physical. Aaron Gordon's responsibility was, one, to stay in the game. But right behind that, his responsibility was to stand up to LeBron James and not give an inch, which he did. It was well worth the technical foul that Aaron Gordon got, and LeBron James got teed up as well, and I'm sure LeBron James thought in the interests of doing anything he could think of to take Anthony Davis out of his series-long stupor, any gesture was worth the risk. Everything LeBron James did and everything he said was directed at Anthony Davis. But the Nuggets responded exactly as they should have. Aaron Gordon outplayed Anthony Davis, and the two were going head-to-head much more often than Jokic and Davis were during the course of the game last night. I visited with George Carl on our now weekly podcast earlier today. George will join us at 3.30. George believes that the Nuggets are not only the best team, they are not only the most resilient team, they are mentally and physically by far the toughest team in the National Basketball Association at the present time. How much of that credit goes to Michael Malone? Who he, has had the best run of coaching in his career he during took, these playoffs. He took what I viewed as a calculated technical foul last night. And I think more than any challenge, that technical showed that Michael Malone was serious about winning last night. And whether it was through word or deed, someone, or maybe several someones, Right around that time, late in the second quarter, in the locker room at halftime, even though the Nuggets were down 15, someone, or as I said, several someones, through word or deed, said, this is our night. This is our night. We will win this game. We've been in tougher jams than this during the course of the series so far. They will fold They always do. Anthony Davis is a dog and a sorry excuse for an all-star or future Hall of Famer. And on that basis alone, LeBron James, whether he says anything after the game or not, having guarded both Murray and Jokic and having scored 
31 points in the first half. Career playoff will high have period. nothing left in the fourth quarter. And it would be the case if LeBron James were 28 or 25 or 22. No one can carry that kind of burden alone. He was left by his lonesome last night. And as it happened, though they played hard, Hachimura and Reeves had off shooting games. Yep. Davis, for having 21 points, 14 rebounds, one assist, one steal, and three blocks, was less impactful on that basketball game last night than I ever remember a player otherwise known as a star have in a big circumstance. I can't remember the last time. I thought he was putrid. He had his best quarter was the fourth, but the key play of the game was Davis getting driven on by Jokic, outpaced by Jokic, and muscled off the play so Jokic had nothing but the easiest of layups in the final minute of the game. It was a sorry excuse for a star player to have let his team down so clearly. And what you see in the Nuggets is a team not only after a championship, they are after every single game they play. And as good as the Miami Heat look, I don't think the Miami Heat are any more determined or any tougher than the Nuggets are in that regard. And maybe we'll find out tonight if the Heat sweep out the Celtics. It's going to be a hell of a final. And for the second time in our city's history, there is the possibility, theoretical possibility, that we will have a Game 7 for the championship of the basketball world played here in Denver, much as we had the Stanley Cup final Game 7 Ray Bork's last game, and as it turns out, an avalanche win, giving Ray Bork his only Stanley Cup, played in the late spring days of 2001. Now it is almost 22 years later, and the Nuggets, if the schedule unfolds as I understand it, will be in a position to clinch almost 22 years to the day after the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup here in Denver. It would be only the second time that a championship game, in effect, is staged here in Denver, unless at some point Denver gets a Super Bowl and the Broncos are in it and win it. The only teams in the city that have a chance to do what the Avalanche did in 2001 are the Nuggets and the Rockets. Yeah. They're the only ones. The Broncos can't. Unless somehow they get a Super Bowl, somehow they're in it, Which has happened and somehow they win it. One time ever. It happened to the Rams right. a few short years ago. So That's Stan still the only Kroenke time. has He's two times experienced winning a championship in his quote-unquote home city. The comparison and you made with Stan Davis. Stan deserves a little credit, too. Oh, by the way. Yes, and I think that, As that is Josh important. As does Josh Kroenke the subject of much criticism from these quarters in years past. And, of course, Calvin Booth and Michael Malone. But a wonderful team 
that is led by Nikola Jokic, who was magnificent after the game last night as he was during the game last night. He represented the Nuggets by thanking everyone and not even mentioning himself during a very graceful exception, uh, exception, acceptance speech for the uh, Magic Johnson Award. Right, while also pointing out that it meant nothing to him uh, to receive it. That, that, that wasn't, but he understood it meant everything to all those people uh, yes, around him. and to the franchise and the people who helped him get where he got. And, uh, yes, I thought, again, he continues to impress. But you, you are... And, and I do want to get into the ownership role of this. We'll obviously have an opportunity to do that uh, over the course of the program here. I want to get your thought process on it as well. 303-831-1340 is the caller text line. But the I, I, I couldn't help but think as you were talking about Anthony Davis, who I, I'm not going to discount the fact that he did average twenty, roughly 27 points a game in this series. But you can put up numbers that aren't impactful. As this, the further this series went along the less likely I found myself thinking moment to moment, oh, they need to really watch Anthony Davis here. And what it reminded me of was earlier in this playoff series, and we had seen two players that I think are eerily similar. One with an equivalent defensive bona fides in Rudy Gobert, and one with the number one overall pick credentials of Carl Anthony Towns. Against the Nuggets, Carl Anthony Towns had 18.2 points a game, and 10.2 rebounds a game. Gobert had 15 and 12 and a half. Uh, Those are not quite the numbers that Davis had when he had the 26.8 and 14. But you get into the scoring efficiency of these players, for example, right? The scoring efficiency metric is a very straightforward one. It's just the higher the better, the more likely you're taking better shots and you're doing a better job converting out there. Rudy Gobert's scoring efficiency against the Nuggets was 1.63. Davis's was 1.507. Not that that's a bad score by any stretch. It's even better than LeBron James was by an increment. But what that's telling you is, great, he's putting up 27 points a game, but he's doing it in an inefficient manner. He's taking a lot of shots. He hasn't taken high-quality shots. And but given the nature of his his size and the position he plays, to a certain extent, and I'm not going to take those rebounds away from Nikola Jokic either, but when we look at, say, football, right, you look at a middle linebacker and you look at a, a Josie Jewell or an Alex Singleton, and you look at the tackle numbers and go, wow, those guys must be incredible football players. Well, okay, there's some of that, but understand the role of the position and especially the way that the teams are formed now give you the ability to rack up massive tackles in the middle of the field, and it means that you still may be making, the, making those tackles three, four, five yards downfield, or even further if you're covering tight ends. So, rebound numbers when you get to that 12, 13, 14 level where you're thinking those are the league's best rebounders, they are, but they're also guys that tend to be seven feet tall and tend to play on teams that you'll notice, with the exception of a Gobert, who has, at least when he's healthy, Carl Anthony Towns there, not a lot of size. The, the, the Nuggets don't have a big-time rebounder. The next biggest guy in this series is Michael Porter Jr. Nikola Jokic is going to get rebounds. Anthony Davis will, too. But Jokic's scoring efficiency is off the charts. Davis, to my mind, I think got exposed a little bit as a player. You, you want somebody, by the way, 
Maybe it feels like a cheap shot on the way out, but I'll put it there. You want to know what stat padding looks like? It looked a lot like what Anthony Davis did in this series. That's what stat padding looks like. When the game's not necessarily in decisive moments, you can get an easy bucket. When you're not being guarded by Nikola Jokic and you're being guarded by someone off the bench, you can get an easy bucket. That's all well and good. But LeBron James was the best one. You nailed it. We watched this at the watch party over at Sportsbook last night. You said at halftime, he will not have 10 more points. He had nine. He had nine. <laughs> but you were right. You hit, you, you, you hit it. And He still had 40. I, I did not have him getting to 40. But I mean, LeBron was James was by far the best Laker in the series. It wasn't even close. Not even close. And even I close. would argue that if you're going down the list, who was the next best Laker? I will argue it was Reeves. I was too. And not Davis. And I would, I would say put, Reeves was number two. Davis is number three. Hachimura is number and four. And Hachimura is not that far behind Davis. I, I, I think for In Anthony fact, Davis, for sheer effort and often impact, Hachimura more so more than Davis, I'd give Hachimura the edge. Now, Hachimura didn't play nearly as much. He started last night and played 42 minutes. But up until last night and previous three games, he had been coming off the bench. And... You know, playing decent minutes for a bench player, but nothing near 42. No. no. And Davis played 40 last night. The How about Jokic playing 45, including all 24 in the second half? And he was never coming out. And again, an excellent calculated decision by Malone, who gambled on winning the game. And if he played 45 minutes or all 48, as LeBron did, well... There wasn't going to be a game on Wednesday night. In fact, there won't be a game for nine more days. Give that up. Give that up for LeBron, by the way, too. Thirty-eight years old, plays single-handedly dragging his team behind him, and plays all forty-eight with that kind of performance. Forty, ten, and nine, and I, with and two steals and only one turnover. He, you know, he ran out of gas, but he still shot fifteen for twenty-five. He was great. I mean, he was he tremendous was the whole series long. Uh, LeBron James is not the problem, and the Lakers did a good job assembling this, but I think this is one of those situations where you look at this team and then you see them in this series. I have more respect for LeBron James as a player than I did already. I share that view. He was a one, he was borderline a one-man army. He was. He was. He was, as an individual, as much of a factor as Anthony Edwards was in the first round against the Nuggets, and I dare say throughout the course of the series, only four games, but throughout those four games, he was at least as impactful as Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. Agreed. And he was more impactful than Durant. Agreed. So, um, And obviously more impactful than Davis. And uh, uh, listen, uh, LeBron James is not retiring, and he's no. not a free agent. But you know what? The Lakers have a ton of free agents, and I think most, if not all, will be gone. Reeves and Hachimura will be back. They play hard. Uh, there's no way Russell is back. He is an unrestricted free agent. He will be allowed to leave. Uh, but as far as the Nuggets are concerned, uh, we can talk about windows. But before we talk about windows, or instead of talking about windows, let's talk about the brilliance of this superstar and talk about this terrific team. 
this magical Nuggets team, which somehow seems to be getting better and better by the day and by the playoff game. They are a much better team now than they were before game one, the first round against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We will do exactly that, celebrating the Nuggets' first birth in the NBA Finals. You can say it for yourself, Denver. It is real. We also want to get your opinion. 303-831-1340 is the caller text line. We'll uh, try to get into some of that next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets are the Western Conference champs after sweeping the Lakers. Talk about getting the ghosts out of the attic. Yeah. The fourth consecutive Western Conference finals that the Nuggets have been in with the Los Angeles Lakers. Not only did they knock them off one win for every single one of those Western Conference finals, but the first sweep in the history of the Denver Nuggets organization in the playoffs all at once and against one of the greatest players in history in LeBron James. We were at Sportsbook in Highlands Ranch last mm-hmm. night. Place was packed. Oh, yeah. I mean, packed to the rafters, all right? Big energy. I thought those last four seconds as they played out and to hear the cheer that went up, and I know they had a watch party at Ball Arena. I get all that. But you, you've you got this watch party we were at last night. The place is packed. Everybody is riveted to the game. Riveted. And they've got the audio blasting throughout the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So everybody is fully engaged. And the roar that went up, it was spine tingling. Spine tingling. And I remember the magic championship moments. Avalanche, Stanley Cup last year. Avalanche, Stanley Cup 2001. I remember the final seconds uh, like it was yesterday. I remember uh, the Stanley Cup on the road that they won in Florida in 1996. Uh, The Broncos' first Super Bowl win in the final seconds at Jack Murphy Stadium in San Diego uh, following the 1997 season. 98, not so much. It was a blowout. The Broncos were undefeated for uh, the first 13 games of 1998. The Super Bowl was almost anticlimactic. Everybody knew the Broncos would win. But all those other championships came with moments that if you're at all human and have any connection to this city, and you're a sports fan, those are moments you remember for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And for Nikola Jokic to recognize that, as he did last night, I, I thought was one of the great expressions I've ever heard. Remember, English is his second language, and he has all the nuance of the English language mastered. Uh, he is a great human being so that he understands and connects with the feelings of others, even others thousands of miles away. Mm-hmm. And, and it is obviously really special is, is understating it, to have that kind of uh, person on your team that you follow, let alone be by far the best player 
on your team and a transcendent player that is literally reinventing the position in a sport which is not exactly brand new. And to have all that at once is simply remarkable. I mean, you think about the centers that evolved the NBA. You start with George Mikan, of course. I think you immediately go to Wilt Chamberlain. Of course. And, Bill and Russell. I, and yeah, I, yeah, I, I think I, I feel less about Russell simply because Russell was elite in every single way, but the, the game didn't necessarily change so much. But the idea, oh, no, I, but I the did, idea uh, of the defensive presence and the, and the centerpiece of that oh, team, But obviously. shot blocking was not a part of the NBA game. Yeah. NBA game was played with your feet on the ground. Shot blocking certainly wasn't a statistic so, until many, many years later. He revolutionized the game. And you that's have why Russell? I, I, Russell is the greatest team player in the history of major American sports, and he will always be that. And then who, who is next? Then you then you have to fast forward a little bit, probably. Well, you've got, all the way to you Kareem. certainly have Wilt, who revolutionized right, the game in, in other ways. Uh, then I think Bill Russell, you, you have Kareem. As a, as a scorer. No, no, no question. And uh, honestly, I, I put Shaq. In that group, in between there, Shaq should have been better. Yes, because Elijah brought a different array of low post moves. No doubt, and I, I I think Shaq could have been greater if he kept himself in better condition. But I agree. But Shaq was a part of a championship team, not the main part, but a part of a championship team in Miami in 2006. So, so you have all these guys, and you have Jokic, who is among resembles none of those guys, and yet many of them all at the same time. That's that's the, the the amalgamation of a lot of these things. Save the shot blocking, of course, but the the uh, array of moves right. that both Kareem and and Hakeem had. Yes, the ability to see the floor in a way that Will Chamberlain did. Yes, uh, the, yeah. the the well, yeah. Uh, it helped Will, when Will, Will. I get Will, it. Will, Will was four on see, one sometimes, so uh, Will, it was Will, right. Well, Will could always see the floor. Uh, it was just that, I guess. Starting in 1967, and they did win a championship that year. And as we found out last night, we'll add seven triple doubles during the playoffs in 1967. <laughs> yeah. um, the most of anybody until now, Jokic has eight in 2023. Magic had six in 1982. Another championship team, Laker championship team. And Draymond Green had five in 2019, though the Warriors lost in the finals to the Toronto Raptors. And I I would say with with Wilt there was a feeling among some who watched Wilt, one that he didn't win the big ones, and two that he didn't win the big ones because he was overly selfish. And Wilt heard that criticism, decided I'm gonna lead the league in assists, or at least try. Now he never did lead the league in assists, but he became the passing center uh, that people think of now in terms of volume that, uh, you know, Bill Russell had a ton of assists, uh, but a lot of his assists were hockey assists. He'd throw the outlet pass to Bob Cousy, let's say, and Bob Cousy would feed the score of the basket. So Cousy would get the assist, and Russell, of course, would have, had he been a hockey player, an assist as well, Mm -hmm. a secondary assist, but NBA isn't hockey. Jokic, in the combination of talents he brings, is unique in the history of the game. And I think in many ways, um, I've been watching basketball for almost 60 years with some degree of seriousness. And 
Nikola Jokic is the best basketball player I've ever seen. And I'll, I'll say that today on this program. He's the best basketball player I've ever, I, I've you ever just seen. talked about the players you were seeing before. Yeah. And I've seen wow. all of them in person, most all of them on multiple occasions. Every single guy I mentioned, I have seen in person on multiple occasions, and I'm not one of those people, certainly. Uh, a person of my generation is not one of those people who says, as J.J. Reddick foolishly said earlier this year, ah, the guys in the 50s and 60s, they weren't any good. He's usually that, smarter it, it, He had that. contempt, <laughs> utter contempt for the yeah. history of the game. And the idea that that guy was reportedly said to be a candidate, I don't know, maybe he still is for the Toronto Raptors coaching position, a guy that ignorant about the history of the game and such contempt, for the players who came before him, and that's the only word for it, contempt. Um, I've never had that. I, in fact, uh, tend to, uh, in these kinds of conversations, uh, prefer the older players and think they get short shrift sometimes because the NBA was not as big back then as it was today. In fact, Wilt Chamberlain was the first to refer to the NBA as a Bush League after his rookie year in 1960 because he came into the NBA and all his opponents did, was try to beat him up. Chamberlain, by the way, you pointed that out, and never did lead the league in assists. But in those two years, in 66, 67, he was third in the league. In that and year. In that in year. That, in that year uh, 7.8 assists per game. Yeah. The only two guys ahead of him, Oscar Robertson and Guy Rogers of the, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, the Bulls. And but Guy if, Rogers was nothing but a passer. Suffice it to say, even those two guys were averaging 24.2 boards a game, which is what Chamberlain did. Uh, that gets a little bit ridiculous. And in the very next year, he went up even more and finished second in the league only again uh, to, in, to Roberts. In, in fairness, 8.6 to Will, I, I do think the motivation was to prove his critics mm-hmm. wrong that he could pass. But in 1967, the Philadelphia 76ers, to that time in NBA history, were the greatest team at 68-13. and 13. Nobody else had come close to that kind of record. Not any of the Celtic championship teams. No one, not the Minneapolis Lakers teams, Viking in the 1950s. So we had a little room. To no, mess nobody, with. nobody came close to the 66-67 Lakers. And those who uh, say there's more to wilt than meets the eye, and at times I'm one of those people, point out that as of 1972, the two greatest single season teams in basketball history, 76ers, 67, who won 68 games out of 81. And the 72 Lakers won 33 straight games. And were the greatest single-season NBA team, arguably, at that time, in 1972. Wilt was on both those teams. Not Russell, not Kareem, Wilt. Kareem was in his prime, or nearing it, in 1972, and his Milwaukee Bucks that year, 71-72, were defending champions. Wilt's Lakers with Jerry West, Wilt and West on their last legs. Elgin Baylor retired that year, early that season, and then the Lakers went off and won 33 in a row, which is one of those little tidbits of Elgin Baylor's career that are so unfortunate because he was an all-time great player. But, I mean... They were better than the world champions with a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The 
The difference, of course, in Jokic's case is that he's doing this within the flow of a game. In fact, he's dictated the flow of the game. He's really, <laughs> That's right. He is really a, a maestro leading an orchestra where everyone is, the game is going in the manner in which he feels it needs to go. And it really is unique. He is a wizard. And he, he is a wizard in a way that uh, you can characterize those other players. I, I don't know that you would call wizardry would not come to mind. Wizardry would not come to mind. Uh, I thought Russell was brilliant because Russell figured out how to block shots as a means of triggering the fast break. Right. No one else in the history of the game would have thought of that. Jokic isn't that type of center. But he is the guy who's now built Jokic out of one-handed rebounds. more wisdom and wizardry to the position than anybody I've ever seen. And to me, those two qualities are important. And that's why I will continue to say he's the best basketball player I've ever seen. Want to know what you think? Of course, the call and text line is 303-831-1340. We'll go to that now, and uh, we'll talk to one of the callers. We'll talk to Dave. Hey, Sandy. Hey, Dave. How hey, are Tom. you? Hey, uh, talking about the history of the game there. I, it harkened me back last night to think of Ringsby Trucking bringing the Rockets here. Yeah. So I was mm. able to sit down there and watch Spencer Haywood. Right. Who was play the first game I ever saw Spencer Haywood went against Rick Barry Spencer yeah. hit 52 that day yeah you know what he wasn't the best player on the floor Rick Barry hit 55 so for JJ Reddick to say none of these guys could play oh those I are two of the guys he was talking about certainly obviously he never he never saw Rick Barry play no <laughs> and he never saw Spencer Haywood play has no idea no. certainly never saw Spencer Haywood play in the ABA unfortunately no. he had a lot of company in that regard, even people who were yeah. basketball fans didn't get to see uh, Spencer Haywood play in 1969-70. He was a rookie that year, yes. and he averaged 30 points and 20 rebounds a game. Go That's find correct. another rookie other than Wilt who averaged 30 points and 20 rebounds as a rookie. You won't. It, I mean, to me, thinking last night, I thought of uh, um, oh, uh, Carl Shear. Carl Shear kept I did too. Here. I thought of Carl. I, I was sad he's not around, right. but he was the Nuggets. I mean, he was the Nuggets. The, yeah. He saved is, the Nuggets. Know, him, the him Nuggets Larry, would not be in Denver today if yes. not for Carl Shear. Yep, that's right. And he was a winner. People, uh, same guy who probably not, I would never saw David Thompson play in his prime either. Till Leokage got here, I thought he was the greatest player ever to play here. And I saw probably. Five seasons every game he played down at the old auditorium arena. He was amazing, and Carl brought him here. He the the players of the league now should be thanking Carl Shear for what he paid David Thompson at that time, because he was the first guy to get that right. really big money. Right. You know. Then he went out and got Marvin uh, Marvin Webster. Webster. And he that didn't work out so well. No, it didn't work out. But he tried. You know, he was always trying to be great. And if you ever saw a game at the old Auditorium Arena, unbelievable. To watch Dr. J go against David Thompson there, unbelievable. Well, uh, it, they they moved in the mid-'70s over to McNichols, and, of course, that was the site of the famous ABA All-Star game right. in 1976. And the uh, invention of the slam dunk contest, that was the brainchild of Carl Shear and only Carl Shear. Not right. anybody in the NBA. And Carl had worked for Walter Kennedy as an executive in the NBA for many, many years, and he worked 
obviously, as a GM in the ABA in Carolina, of course, came out here, yes. renamed the, Nug- uh, the Rockets the Nuggets, brought Larry Brown and Doug Moe, as a matter of That's fact. That's right. I, I thought of all those guys last night. That's why there is Denver basketball. Well, and I, a- I, I, I appreciate that, Dave. I do. I think you're, you're, you're right, and it's, it's really good to, to bring out all of those historical references. And I appreciate the call because I think you're, you're correct. And that the one thing that I guess I want to add to that, that I think Jokic did a brilliant job is with, is that the truth of the matter is, yeah, there are people that brought basketball to Denver, and there are people that. Uh, augmented the team, and we're going to talk about the current ownership, Mm -hmm. quite frankly, who deserves a call-out for that as well. But to me, more than anything, this is a victory for the Nuggets fans who have been long-suffering, who have had uh, situations where uh, decades, I mean, I'm born and raised here. I can't tell you how many times I cringe when I hear the word flyover city. And I never heard it with any other sport as often as I heard it in the NBA. And for the longest time, for David Stern's administration, if you will, there were six globe trotters, and every other team were the generals. <laughs> and the Nuggets were not one of the previous six. And to understand that, I think, is a lot of good Nuggets basketball fans have. And still understand what you're going to get because of it. And stick with it after decades after decades. Look, this team with very rare occasion, and only when, they were abysmal and spinning their tires. Has this team never been supported well? Back in the ABA uh, days, back at the old McNichols Arena, when you're talking about when it was Pepsi Center Ball Arena, for only a handful of years. I agree. I I agree. And and Carl was a master marketer um, who also understood the market. And the best Carl Shear story I've... uh, told over the years, and I wasn't even here then, but I heard the story, that came in 1977 when the Broncos were becoming the darlings of Denver. And at that point, the Nuggets had been in the NBA for one year. Uh, they were ABA championship finalists in the last year of the ABA, and their recent history certainly had been more influenced by achievement and the Broncos who were in the playoffs for the first time. Mm-hmm. Nuggets were making the playoffs every year, ABA or NBA. And Carl Shearer told his staff, I don't want to hear or read of any of you complaining that the Broncos are getting more attention than we are. This is their time. Our time will come when their season is over but I don't want to read anything in the paper. You know, back when people actually read newspapers. about that stuff. Complaining that for all we've achieved, the Broncos don't deserve, as Johnny come lately, is the attention they're getting. If I read that, you're fired. And you know what? That spirit of collaboration from Denver's professional sports teams actually has continued through even new new teams brought into town, whether it's the, the Avalanche, whether it's the Rockies, whether it's even the Rapids, that spirit of cooperation and supporting each other, despite the fact they're not owned all by the same group, has actually continued. One of the things that makes being a Denver sports fan so much fun. 
the idea of of what the the Nuggets are, what they are led by. I'll give you a little bit of numbers that are awfully extraordinary for the perspective of what Nikola Jokic has become. I'll do that next on my LS Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The folks, Sandy, over at Pro Basketball Reference do a good job of taking a lot of the game, including some of the the, the past, and, and basically running it through statistical uh, filters that exist now to take a look and contextualize some of the things you've seen. This is regular season only, by the way, not playoffs, in which Nikolaevich's career numbers are becoming a little ridiculous. But get an idea now over these last couple of years. These are the top 25 players in the history of the game in what, what is, is called win shares. Basically, that's a, it started with baseball, but it's equated to breaking down you know, how many times uh, somebody actually led directly to, to a victory over the course of their career. Now they split that by 48 minutes to try to equalize people who maybe have had uh, careers that are shorter. There's still obviously a base level of playing a lot of games as I'll roll off these names really quick. But none of these names come off and sound unrealistic. And I'll start at 25 and counting up. Steph Curry, Larry Bird, Jimmy Butler. Interesting. We'll probably talk about him soon enough. Carl Malone, Oscar Robertson, Shaquille O'Neal, John Stockton, Tim Duncan, Anthony Davis at at 17, Bob Pettit at 16, Jerry West, Kevin Durant, Charles Barkley, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Rudy Gobert at 10, Magic Johnson at 9, LeBron James at 8, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at 7. Get what we're getting at here. Chris Paul at 6th. Neil Johnston, you might not know who that is. I honestly admit that I did not either, but he's a Hall of Famer that led the league in scoring three straight years in the 50s and in his eight-year career, which ended an injury. He was an all-star six times, so hard to argue with that. Nikola Jokic is fourth in the history of the game. The three, and only three men ahead of him, in order, Will Chamberlain, David Robinson, Michael Jordan, that's it. <laughs> we there, There's rarefied air and there's whatever that is yeah Yeah. now you know i i'm speaking from a purist perspective on a guy in Jokic who does everything now that you need to do uh on a basketball floor um if somebody asked me who is the greatest player of all time uh, i might say magic i might say will in a team sport sense, it was Russell, in my, in my opinion. But of people I've seen, and I've seen Jokic in person, of course, many more times than I've seen these other people in person, though right. I have seen them in person. From a purist perspective, I, I, I don't know how you could find a better basketball player and – Someone who, uh, I mean, his teammates were literally dancing around him as the buzzer sounded last night. I haven't seen that scene very often. I've seen it from time to time. But I haven't seen that around him. And a teammate more admired, a player more admired by his teammates, I have not seen. And we're not talking about 
John Elway or Peyton Manning at the end of brilliant careers. Uh, we're talking about a guy that's still in the prime of his career. Right. Oh, I, I'm saying he's the greatest basketball player I've ever yeah. seen. But I mean, but but the but the impact it makes on, on teammates. Like when you're when you're John Elway or Peyton Manning and you're playing in the final game of your career and it's as a Super Bowl title, and yep, you're gonna have teammates celebrating you in part, you're the quarterback, you're the leader, you've had a great career, this might be the end. John Elway's case, of course, finally breaks through. You expect that. That's not Nikola Jokic's situation. He is genuinely loved and trusted by his teammates that much. And the guys understand how much better he makes all of them to the point where Michael Malone, after game three, referred to him as a coach Jokic, which Jokic pointed out, I want no part of that job. It seems like the worst job ever. But guess what? He's doing it sometimes. And uh, you are seeing a a singular athlete. And, and if the Denver Nuggets walk away, as they are the favorites in Vegas to do, with the NBA title, you have to start considering something that I don't think has ever been considered in this town since John Elway retired. And that is, will there, the, the question has been considered settled for decades. John Elway will forever be the greatest, most significant athlete in Denver sports history. You might have to open that case again by the time this is all done. That's the level that Nikola Jokic is playing on. He is quite literally redefining the way the center position is played. All you had to do was watch the March Madness Tournament this year and watch how many players. Most of the guys playing center at the top teams, they weren't playing like Shaq. They weren't playing like Anthony Davis. They were trying to play like Nikola Jokic. Everyone on earth sees that this is the next evolution of how that position goes. And if you're going to be able to do it, you're going to have yourself a pretty good career. And it's already moved down into the collegiate and to a certain extent even high school levels because this is now going to be the way you play center from now on. The way Magic Johnson changed the way point guard is being played, Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic has changed the way center is being played. And it's not changing back. This is it. This is the new paradigm. But nobody's ever played center in the way that Jokic plays it. Nobody has brought the ball up the floor, been in the middle of a fast break, Centers have thrown outlet Why passes. Why do you to think everybody fast breaks? And Jokic can do that over Wembyana. Talking about forget, because for, so quickly he forgetting that a Jokic kind LeBron of game. James was a pretty hyped prospect coming out of. Right. I mean, come on. Uh, but the idea, biggest hyped prospect in the draft forever. That's ridiculous. But the reason that the noise seven five plays like Jokic. Yeah. Thinking, wow, if, if Jokic does it the way he does it, what if what what could this kid and do? seems temperamentally quite similar to Jokic. Modest, um, coachable. I mean, uh, again, for all of Wilt's greatness, other than maybe Alex Hanna, who used to coach here in Denver in the ABA days prior to Larry Brown's arrival, I don't know that Wilt ever played for a coach he didn't despise. Humility was not his strong suit. Frank McGuire, maybe at the start of his career, because Frank McGuire was a great college coach, uh, a very good NBA coach, but didn't really enjoy coaching in in the NBA. And he had Wilt early on in Wilt's career, and maybe Wilt didn't despise him, but 
Wilt despised Dolph Shays. Uh, he despised Butch Van Bratikoff. He despised Joe Mullaney. And I don't know that he was crazy about Bill Sharman. Uh, of course, Rick Barry wasn't crazy about Bill Sharman because Bill Sharman introduced the shoot-around, which Rick Barry and Wilt Chamberlain both believed was uh, a blight on the NBA landscape. Uh, Rick Barry's famous words were, uh, well, Wilt and Barry both had good lines. Barrett Barry's words were, how ridiculous is it when you've got a game at 7 o'clock at night to be running around a basketball court at 10 in the morning? What does that do to get you ready to play a game? And Wilt's line was even more pointed, at least at the beginning. He finally relented a little bit. He said, Coach, you have a choice. You can have me at 10 in the morning or you can have me at 7 o'clock at night. You pick. It's either or. And now? Not both and. Nikola Jokic, after the game last night, is working out. Yeah. Because that's the evolution well, he only of played this 45 player. minutes. Right. He needed to exert himself. Right. A that's the evolution of this player. This idea that the he just kind of shows up and, and, and dominate. No, no, no. This has been a work in progress. He's put in the work. He's worked on his body. He's worked on learning the game. He's worked on all of it. And to see it flourish like this is just remarkable. We want to know what you think, of course. The, your Nuggets are the Western Conference champions. They will take on either the Miami Heat or unless something entirely unprecedented, literally unprecedented, happens the Boston Celtics. Uh, either way, the Nuggets have time. It won't be until the first when game one is here in Denver. Want to know your thoughts? 303-831-1340 is the caller text number. We'll be back. And if you remember, just uh, a little bit from now, we'll be talking with Coach George Carl about this Nuggets team as well. We'll do that next on Miller Sports.